Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. That's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 through 9. These commandments that I give you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Welcome to uh, Central Church of Christ. Uh, my name is Jay, and it is my pleasure to be here in front of you this morning to uh, bring you God's Word on this very special day. And I just want to greet all of the fathers and father figures out there. Happy Father's Day. Thank you for the work that you do. And fathers are very special, right? And one of the things that make them special are these things that they call dad jokes. Have you guys heard of a dad joke lately? If not, you're, yeah, this is your day because I have a couple here. Some of my favorites are here. Dad jokes, here you go. First one right here. Did you know that the first French fries weren't cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. You guys got that. I love dad jokes too because when they say dad jokes, they have to explain the punchline. Like this one, you know, grease, you know, oil, grease, they were cooked, yeah, right? Next one, what did the baby corn say to mama corn? Where's popcorn? You're welcome, that's a good one. Last one right here, this is probably my favorite one. Do you know what really makes my day? The rotation of the earth. That's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, you guys don't have to laugh, you guys are just being really kind. Fathers are special, fathers are important. And I know that uh, fathers don't get the accolades that mothers do, or we don't get the gifts as mothers do on Mother's Day. Like, for example, today, when fathers walked into the church building, did you guys get roses? We didn't. But it's okay, because fathers are as important in the family as mothers. In fact, we cannot underestimate the importance of fathers in our families today. Research from Father Involvement Research Alliance Canada, Dad Central Canada, and Father Involvement Initiative Canada, and there's branches in every province of the, of, of the country, uh, uh, conclusively and empathically uh, result in the fact that children whose fathers are involved fare way better in many aspects of their well-being than those children who do not have involved fathers. For instance, in their social well-being, father, uh, children with fathers that are involved uh, do better in their relationships. Uh, in their cognitive uh, well-being, f- uh, children whose fathers are involved do better in school and develop uh, academic skills than those whose fathers are not involved. Uh, in their emotional well-being, Children are, are better able to cope with stress when their fathers are involved. And finally, in their physical well-being, involved fathers enable their children to uh, be, be more physically adept in that also they will be healthier physically and they will stay away from drugs and all these other addictive things uh, better. But that's a fact. And it's not only in Canada, there are uh, the same organizations that are in Australia, that are in America, that have these findings. 
So parents are very important. But Christian fathers are extremely crucial with one aspect of a child's well-being that is not mentioned here, in which is, in my opinion, way important and encompasses all of these other things. It is their spiritual well-being. This morning, uh, I would like to talk to you about the importance of fathers as I talk to you about a father's influence. In our scripture reading this morning, we saw how important God's word should be to the people of God. I'm going to read it again in Deuteronomy 6, 6 to 9. These commandments I give to you today are to be on your hearts. Impress them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down, and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. See, God here is telling the people, his people back then, and to us today, to make sure, to ensure that his word, his commands are at the forefront of everything that we do. And we see that in the rest of the verses. It says, we have to, we have to have his word, even with the most mundane, mundane things that we do in life, like sitting, walking, lying down and getting up. We have to have God's word on our foreheads and in our hearts, signifying that God's word should be at the forefront of everything that we think and decide, the things that we do. And God's word has to be at our front, everywhere we go, at the, you know, at our door frames and on our gates. It has to be there. In fact, the people of God looked at this and they saw this at the time. Uh, even today, in, in a very literal manner, you know, they actually put God's word on their foreheads and on their fingers. Uh, there's a picture there. There's the phylacteries. Have you guys heard of them? There are these block boxes that they put. Remember that verse said, put them on your foreheads? See that? That's, there's God's word in there. One of the verses that are in there is that verse that we just read. And on here as well, on the fingers. Okay? They made it literally. But today, what I would like to focus on as we talk about the importance of fathers uh, in our lives today is this particular verse. Impress them upon our children. That's the question that we are going to answer today. How do we do that? How do we help ensure that God's word is at the forefront of our children's lives? Today, I will be speaking specifically, primarily to fathers. But the concepts that I will talk to you about this morning applies to all of us. It doesn't matter if you're a single person or dating or married who don't have children, but are looking to one day having children, this is for you. If you are a grandmother or a mother, this is for you. If you are a single person, you don't have any children, and you don't plan on having children, this is for you. Because as a church, we have influence, and when we talk about influence, this is for everyone, we have influence on those who are younger than us, on those who look up to us as father figures. This is for all, for, for everyone. So when I talk about fathers, don't shut off. You know, don't cut out. This is for all of us. Alright? Uh, so this morning, what I'm gonna do is, uh, we're gonna achieve that objective of, uh, reminding ourselves 
how to impress upon God's word to our children by talking to you about a father's influence in three areas of their roles in the family. As a teacher, as an example, and as a leader. Beginning with the first one. One of the ways that a father's influence is exercised in the family, on the children, is through his role as a teacher. In Proverbs 22, verse 6, we read, Train up a child in the way he should go. Even when he is old, he will not depart from it. I love this verse. I love it even before I became a dad. I love him now. I love it now that now that I'm a father. Because it tells us this amazing principle that if we do this to our children, they will not depart from it. It's a principle, which is, you know, which is not so much so a promise because we know that as an, as an adult, we can do whatever we want when we grow up. You know, we can stray from the way. But as a good principle, we offer it today as fathers as we teach our children the word of God. It says in this verse that we train up a child. We train up a child. Do you know the difference between training and education? You guys are going, some of you are going, yeah, I do. Training is different from education. Education is, both of them are very important. They are very well connected to each other. Education or instruction is important as we teach children the rights and the wrongs. As we teach them that, they are able to have a sense of judgment and uh, they, they can discern for themselves which way to go. That's education. And we see that today, the tree of knowledge. Excellent educational program that we have here. But in matters of faith, in matters of spirituality, it is not enough to just know. Yeah, you agree with me on this. It's not enough to just know or understand the concepts. It is even more important to apply it in our lives. And that is when training comes to play. Training is educating, instructing with an objective to inculcate skills, values, and behavior to our children. I'll give you an example. The concept of patience. We can teach patience in a classroom to children. The concept of patience. We understand that God wants us to be patient. It is one of the hallmarks of our faith in Christ is patience. But it's not enough to just know about patience. We need ourselves and our children to actually be patient. When we train them, we put them perhaps in situations where they will need patience. That is what training up a child is. And I like this particular passage as well. It says, in the way that he should go. This particular verse does uh, gives us two meanings, and they are very important as well. Train up a child in the way he should go. We understand that. The way that a child should go is through God's word. We, we, we understand that completely. We know that God wants us to impress upon his word to our children, because in that is the way that they should go. But if you look at the literal translation in Hebrew, it literally says, train up a child in the way, in, in his own way. You know, it's not what you're thinking. It's not what his own way, whatever he wants to do. But it has this connotation that every child is an individual. What I like, what my interests are, 
will not be necessarily what my three children's interests and likes would be. Do, do, do you know what I'm saying? It is my responsibility as a father to bring out their differences, to bring out their strengths, to bring out the best in them, because they're going to be different. And I see that. My three children are very different in their characteristics, in their likes, in their interests. It is my responsibility to bring it out of them and develop that. Right? I know we all want our children to be doctors and lawyers, but that's not something that maybe that's not their thing. It is my job to bring that up, bring that up out of them. So we need to do that. But one of the things that we need to understand as well when we teach our children is this concept of discipline. And the concept of discipline is highly misunderstood. And I'm a living proof of this. When I say the father disciplined his child, what comes to mind? What did the father do to his child? If you were me, I would be thinking, I used to think when I hear that word, the sentence, the father disciplined his child, I would think the father punished his child. But discipline is not just punishment. It's the whole gamut. It starts with educating and, and training up our children. When they do something good, this is discipline. That's great that you did that. Good job. Keep doing that. That's discipline. When they did something wrong, oh, we don't do that. Right? Telling them that it's not a good thing, that's discipline. All the way up to punishment. Okay? But one of the things that I learned as a father is this fact. A hug is better than a punishment. I'm going to say that again. A hug is better than a punishment. When our children make mistakes, when our children act out, what's the first thing that we do? That was me. That was how I was brought up. But slowly but surely, I'm realizing that they are children. When my children act out, you know what I do? I, I, I go like this, and I talk to them eye to eye and tell them, what happened there? Why would you do that? Because for the most part, they act out. You know why? Because they're tired. And because they don't know how to process their emotions. So I level with them, and I tell them what happened. And perhaps tell them what the person that they hit or that they've done something wrong against could be feeling. And that's the best way, in my experience, to teach my children compassion, forgiveness, um, listening, and patience. To really speak with them. Right? Even more so, right off the bat, than punishment. Now, why do we discipline our children? Why do we teach them? Why do we train them up? Well, Proverbs 3, 11 to 12. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Why do we discipline? And children, why do we listen to our parents? Why do we go through the disciplining and the rebuking? Because as God does us, we love And we delight in our children. This is why we do it. If we do not do it, 
we can we can go to the other uh, uh, the other side and say that's not love. We discipline, we train them up, we rebuke them because we love them and we delight in them. But as a teacher, one of the things that we need to do as fathers is to make sure that we actually know what we're teaching them. We actually need to know what we need to teach them. We need to be grounded ourselves in the word. Not just here, but here. In our actions, we need to be able to teach them through our actions. Our mantra should be, do as I do, not do as I say. And that leads us to our next point. A father's influence is exercised in his family, in his children, through his role as an example. We need to serve as examples to our children and to our families. We need to heed what the Apostle Paul told the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 16, verse 13. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong. We need to demonstrate that to our families as fathers. If I want my children to be disciplined, I first need to discipline myself. If I want my children to respect others, I need to respect others first. You know what? In fact, it's one of the, one of the biggest things that we as fathers can teach our, 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 our children is to respect their mothers. And you know how we can effectively do that for them? I should watch how I treat my wife. Because my children will listen to what I say. They will hear it in the sense. If I tell them, respect your mom, do what your mom says. But it's another thing. And it's actually the thing that is going to be ingrained in their minds when they watch me deal with my wife. When they see how I treat my wife, then that is how they are going to treat their mother. And fathers are very crucial in this example part. Because our sons will do what we do to the women that they are going to come across when we treat her, as we treat our, our, our wives. And our daughters will look for the kind of person that's probably like us, who treat our fathers. It is very, very important to get this idea across. Now what happens, though, when we do not set a good example to our children? Ephesians 6, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. The second part of that verse we saw earlier in the role of the father as teacher. Bring up our children in the training and instruction of the Lord. Now, there's this negative command that the Apostle Paul gives us as fathers. Do not exasperate your children. Do you know what the word exasperate means? It means to infuriate, to make our children angry. 2018 right now, there's a lot of angry kids out there. A lot of angry teenagers out there. Angry adults. Teen angst all over the place. Why does that happen? Because we as fathers do not serve good examples to them. I saw a really uh, interesting article um, online. 
and it's titled, What's Wrong with Grown-Ups? It's uh, part of a book for families only that was written in 1977 by J.A. Peterson. Now in this book, in this particular article, there's a Sunday school teacher who asked the question to, his, to her students, what is your main complaint about grown-ups? So this, the question that they asked was, what's wrong with grown-ups? There's a whole list of things that the children said what's wrong with grown-ups. And I'm going to give you five. But before we do, I just want to tell you that this, you know, most of us, if not all of us, have probably been guilty of one or more of all of these things. I know I have been. And my goal today is, when I show you these things, is not to discourage you, but to encourage you. And to challenge all of us to say, yeah, I used to do that. I actually do that now. But starting today, not anymore. Okay, this was written in 1977, but it's so, it is so, uh, it's still so relevant to us today. Number one, grown-ups make promises, then they forget all about them. Or else they say it wasn't really a promise, just a maybe. We talked about integrity a couple of weeks ago, being like Jesus. We need to, to have, to be people of integrity in front of our coworkers, our church members, and most importantly, first and foremost, our children and our families. Second, grown-ups don't do the things they're always telling the children to do, like pick up their things or be neat or always tell the truth. We need to preach. We need to practice what we preach to them. We need to do what we tell them. We need to be the first ones up front. We need to lead from the front. And again, our mantra should be, do not uh, uh, do as I do, not do as I say. Because our actions speak louder than words. Number three, grown-ups never really listen to what children have to say. They always decide ahead of time what they're going to answer. We should listen to our children. If we are to be an example to them, we have to listen to them. Because if we don't, it will exasperate them. It will make them very angry. One of the things that I learned early on in fatherhood is to stop, look, and listen to my children. Stop, look, and listen. When my children come up to me and they want to tell me something, even if it's something that I know is going to not blow my mind, I stop what I'm doing as much as possible. I stop what I'm doing. If I can, I say, hold on a sec, buddy. Or I stop what I'm doing. I look at them and I listen to them. That's the best way to teach our children how to listen. Not, hey, I'm talking to you, listen to me. We need to show it to them. We need to show it to them. Four, grown-ups make mistakes, but they won't admit them. They always pretend that they weren't mistakes at all or that somebody else made them. How many of you guys have apologized to your children? Some hands are, are raising there. The first time I had to do that, it took everything from me because I was not used to doing that. Apologizing, 
I was not, I didn't grow up in that environment. But it's crucial for our children to know that we are not perfect, that we struggle too. I remember the first time that that happened. Jacob, as he is, as he was at the time, he was doing this thing that was very dangerous. He could actually kill himself, fall and kill himself. But I lost my temper. I raised my voice unnecessarily against him. And he cried. He had never seen that side of me. Talked to my wife and said, I'm going to sort it out. I came up to him and I said, Jacob, remember that time that you did that and then I lost my temper? I yelled at you? I'm sorry. I should not have done that. You know, he was crying at the time, but his cry, his cry changed to like a relieved, a relieved sort of cry. And you know what he said to me afterwards? He said, Dad, thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that. Because that was not the picture that he wanted from his father. Okay? We need to understand that we, that our children need to understand that we make mistakes as well. And we have to do accordingly. Grown-ups never understand how much children want a certain thing, a certain color or shape or size. If it's something they don't admire, even if the children spend their own money for it, they always say, I can't imagine what you want with that old thing. It shouldn't be my way or the highway. Remember, initially we talked about training them up in accordance with their personalities, with their interests in mind. That's one of the biggest things that make angry children today. When we do not support them in what they do. I mean, it's within reason and wisdom, right? But our children are individuals. And we exasperate them when we don't support them. When we don't support them. What is your ultimate goal for your children? Is it for them to be able to throw a football really far? To be able to do, to swing and get that golf ball 350 meters or 350 yards out there? Is it so that they can solve, I don't know, integral or uh, differential calculus? Those are all good things. But one of the things that I really understood on the, from, from, from the onset of being a father is if my children, and this is my objective for them, if my children are able to serve the God that I serve, then I can rest in peace. That's the one thing that I want them to really do. It doesn't matter what they do for a living. I want them to serve the God that I serve. We need to serve as good examples to our children. Now, we have seen a father's influence in his role as a teacher and as as an example. I just want to wrap everything up into a tight little bow. And we're going to do that by telling you about the third thing that a father does. It summarizes perfectly our role as teachers and examples as we impress upon our children God's word. 
fathers are leaders. Now, we need to understand that there's a difference between leadership and management. Leading and managing are two different things. They're both important. I can tell, I tell you what. We need to manage our children every day. Right? Today, did, did, you, did you wake them up at a certain time? Because if you didn't, they would not wake up, right? Maybe you, you probably dressed them up as well so that they can be here today. Right? We take them to school. We pick them up from school. We make sure that they do their homework. We drop them off to their activities. Managing our everyday, day-to-day family life is important. But over and above the management side, we need to lead them. Because leading our children differentiates the what and the how from the why. When we lead our children, we essentially tell them why we do what we do. Why do we come here every Sunday? Why do they need to go to school? Why do they need to do piano? Because it's for their good. Because it is important. That's leadership. So I'll give you a case in point. You guys know it's not a secret. So, yeah, I have problems with time. You're probably going, Jay, it's time. You have to conclude now. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? I have a problem with time. Okay? We understand that. Say, for example, there's a meeting tonight at 7 o'clock. And I have to be there. And it's important that I be there at 7 o'clock. Okay? You're managing me. If you came up to me and you say, Jay, there's a meeting, at, uh, there's a meeting today, tonight at 6 o'clock. Because you know I'm, have, I have problems with time. So if you tell me that the meeting is at 6 o'clock, then I'll be there at 7. And everything's honky-dory. I'm on time. Everything's good. But it's not so good. Because if I come here at 6 and there's nobody here, and the meeting's not going to start at 7, then our relationship will be strained. It's going to be hard for me to trust you now, because I know that you're managing me. It's not ideal. But you will be leading me, if you came up to me just by myself, because you don't want to embarrass me, because you know that I have problems with being on time. You came up to me and said, Jay, tonight's meeting is going to be excellent. You know, you're encouraging me. You're telling me, but we need to be there at 7. I need you to be there at 7 o'clock. And you're going to tell me exactly why. You're telling me because everybody's going to be there at 7. There's going to be people coming in from different parts of Manitoba. And we're, your speaking part is not until later. But you need to listen to everyone's input before you do yours. So it's important that you do there. You meet them beforehand. You tell me why. And then you support me in it. You say, I understand that sometimes it's hard to be on time. Because of kids and things that you do and things like that. And you support me. And you're going to tell me this. You're going to say, you know what? I'm going to pick you up at 6.30. I'm going to drive over to your house, pick you up at 6.30. We'll be there at 6.45. We get to meet them. We'll be there on time. And I'll drop you off right after. Is that okay? That, brothers and sisters, is leadership. We do that to people at work with people at work. We do that with people in the church. We do that for our children. We know what their weaknesses are and we support them with it. We lift their burdens up for them. That is what sharing each other's burdens means. It's a leadership prerogative. 
we need to lead our children today. If we are to, to have an impression on them of God's word, we need to lead them. And when we do, we can rejoice in this particular proverb. Chapter 23, verse 24, the father of a righteous child has great joy. A man who fathers a wise son rejoices in him. And then we're not scratching our heads and going, what happened? We know what happened. We taught them. We served as examples to them. And we led them. This morning, and I don't know what your father's situation is like or was like. I don't know if you had a father growing up or a father figure growing up. But there is a father in heaven who loves you very much. It doesn't matter what your father did in this world. He longs for a relationship with you. Today, if you want that relationship with him, you can achieve that through Jesus Christ. And Jesus Christ only. If you would like to put him on as your Savior and Lord today in the waters of baptism, please come forward as we stand and sing the song of invitation.